0: My guest on today's show is Goiko Adjic. Goiko is a partner at Neury Consulting. He is winner of several awards, including the 2016 European Software Testing Outstanding Achievement Award and the Jolt Award for his book, Specification by Example. Goiko is also a frequent speaker at software development conferences. So, Goiko, can I ask you to expand on that summary
1: bio and tell us a little bit more about yourself? Sure. First of all, thank you for inviting me and thanks very much for suffering through trying to pronounce my name. I really appreciate (laughs) that. Uh, So, uh, yeah, I kind of wrote a bunch of books. I tend to write books to download the stuff in my brain so I can leave more spare capacity for new things. I'm really hyperactive, so I like looking at lots of different aspects of the craft. So I Originally started as a software developer and I still develop software actively, but I was never really keen on just sitting in the small development box from the first job I had because it was in a small team. Kind of had to do my own testing, I had to do my own analysis, I had to do the whole thing end to end, and then when I started working for larger organizations, I was really surprised that all of a sudden, you know, there are these people halfway around the world that are supposed to do the testing for me, and somebody else is going to do the analysis, and somebody else is going to do kind of caring about how I deploy and things like that. And I was, I remember the first job I had. For a larger organization, I was thinking, oh, you know, this must be how everybody does it. And this looks really proper and kind of big and organized. And then you realize how it's all broken and can't possibly work like that. And um, I like to learn about kind of the end-to-end stuff. And I guess that's why I got an award from a testing Magazine, although I'm really not a tester, and I wrote a book that tends to be mentioned at a lot of business analysis conferences where I'm not really a business analyst. So, yeah, kind of in terms of expanding, I guess I like to do stuff end to end. Yeah, it's, it's the big picture. It's the big picture, yes. Yeah. In lots of small details.
0: Can you maybe share a unique career tip with the IT career and audience, one they need to know and perhaps don't?
1: I reckon, you know, a single big career unique tip for people starting in IT is stay as close to the money as possible. I think lots of IT now is so abstracted and so divorced from real customers real users people who are actually benefiting or paying for what we do that it's very difficult to know if what people do actually has any impact or any real results and and lots and lots of stuff gets done just because somebody thought it's a good idea and somebody else promised and things like that. And that's really demoralizing. And I think the more people are separated from the source of the money, the more you get into these stupid processes and bureaucracy and choreography and all sorts of insane stuff that ends up just being a replacement for direct contact with the users. And I think, I guess... Because I always wanted to make sure that my stuff serves a purpose, I tried to be as close to the money as possible. And there are some incredibly liberating things in terms of what process you need to follow, what you need to do, what you must do, mustn't do. I remember once where I was working on this highly critical project for um, a UK company where .dotnet Beta, no, Yeah, .NET beta came out and, and one of the uh, kind of Dilbert bosses from the company, I think he had some kind of backhand deal with Microsoft, decided to get everybody moved on to this beta TFS and, and beta this, beta that, and somehow convinced the management that that's a really good idea. So everybody got stuck in months of chaos where... Because I was working on a mission-critical project, we were able to install Linux machines and develop stuff in Python and nobody could touch us. So, I think, you know, my career advice for people starting here would be figure out where the money is and stay as close as possible to that because that just cuts through the whole bullshit that most people shouldn't really care about. And I think, Some of my best lessons, you know, although my stomach hurt when I kind of observed that, was actually watching real users try to kind of suffer through using my software and kind of figuring out what they misunderstood, what kind of mistakes they're making. And and you can't do that if you're kind of five steps away. And also, one of the biggest things I think... um, people can do in order to build empathy and rapport with users is to actually learn about their business and learn about kind of their stuff and and help people solve real problems. I think one of the biggest challenges today um, with IT is everybody's obsessed about solutionizing. Everybody wants to kind of demand solutions and and specify stuff. and, And it turns so many people into this kind of feature factory delivering stuff that, you know, is, is very, very difficult to know if it makes any sense. But if people are close to end users and customers, then they can observe people and, and, and understand their problems that p- these people are trying to solve and then propose better solutions because um, th- th- that's really how we can get good products out. Yeah, no, I
0: totally agree. I think it's all about what the end... Purposes rather than the actual solution that gets you there
1: absolutely and that's why i think you know st- st- staying close to the money is is a guiding principle that cuts through a lot of that crap and helps people actually you know deliver something good
0: yeah okay um Gorka, can you maybe tell us about your worst it career moment and what you learned from that experience Ooh, it's difficult to choose worst there's lots
1: of lots of really bad ones <laughs> I think my, you know, if I had to choose um, the worst in terms of how bad I felt, um, but probably one of the most important in terms of the learning that came out of that is when I was a CTO of a startup somewhere around maybe 11 years ago or something like that, where we played this whole startup theater, I think, and... Um, It was all, you know, growth, 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 investment, all about virality, all about that kind of bullshit. And nobody really looked at the profit. And we did lots of stuff really well technically, or or that's what I thought. But we never really had a good way of measuring value that we delivered. So we ended up... Spending all our money and and the company went bankrupt and I was left without money to pay the rent next month and I had to quit and go back to consulting and and leave a team that I really kind of cared about building because I went you know all the way to the bone and 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 spent everything I could spend on it and the whole thing imploded so it was a really difficult wake-up call for me because it was like um kind of, I thought we were doing everything right because I, I cared about the technical side of things. So we had, yeah. you know, um, fully automated tests from day zero. We had fully automated deployment. We had continuous delivery running before the continuous delivery book came out. We had all the stuff that people talk about technically as, you know, this is the kind of thing to do, but, um, we left all the, all the kind of um, product decisions outside the technical group. And I sounds like I'm blaming other people. I don't want to do that. I think a big part of that was my mistake because we were kind of tracking effort. We were not tracking value delivered. And I think right. that's a big problem for, for lots and lots of teams. And, uh, you know, once I've seen that, I cannot unsee it. I see one of the typical examples of that is people using story points to report on progress and story points are something that, you know, we've invested story points are effort we spent, not value we've delivered. So by focusing on measuring effort, you can, you can spend a lot of money really quickly without yep. having a good measurement of value or a leading indicator of value that becomes a big problem. So Jeff Patton has these wonderful visual metaphors and he has a visual metaphor of of projects like that based on the South Park episode where uh, gnomes steal underpants and he calls it the underpants gnomes kind of project where there's this famous scene where all the underwear disappears in in South Park and then the children try to figure out the mystery and at the end they, they find these gnomes stealing their underwear and, and running around in a cave. And, and they say, well, you know, what, what's going on? Well, you know, we, we are underpants snows. We are the best in stealing underwear. And so, but why are you doing that? Well, you know, that's we need to collect all the underwear. So, but why? So, well, you know, that's that's phase one. So, but why? And and kind of, you have to go and talk to the planning gnome about that. And then they go and find the planning gnome. And the planning gnome is standing in front of this planning board, whiteboard where it says phase one, collect all the underpants, phase two question mark, phase three profit. And that's kind of how we ran this thing. We thought, oh, we're just going to build all this stuff and then we'll make a lot of money. And we play the startup theater where phase two was never really answered. And, and that's kind of, I think a big challenge for, for me um, then was how do we figure out some leading indicators of value? and, that was, that was a massive, massive slap in the face when we ran out of money. Um, so, you know, going, since then I've, I've tried to learn lots and lots of stuff about how do we measure value, how do we figure out leading indicators of value, how do we never fall into that problem again. So, although that's kind of, in terms of how I felt, probably the worst moment in, in my career, in terms of what I've learned, I've, I've learned something really valuable, so I've made quite a lot of money on that in the last, you know, t- 10 years after I had to learn about that. Right. So it's it's not that bad. And I think generally, you know, IT is really nice as, as an industry because you can make stupid mistakes and learn from them and then kind of, you know, pull yourself up and, and make a lot of money on it. So,
0: yeah. Okay, can you maybe sort of moving away from your worst IT career moment, maybe you can tell us about your career highlight or greatest success?
1: Well, I'd, I'd hope I've not kind of made my greatest success yet. I don't know. It's it's still early days, but um, I'm quite proud of how we built um, MindMap. MindMap is a kind of mind mapping app that a colleague, and, a colleague of mine and I are building. Uh, we've been building it for the last three or four years and it's it's quite enjoyable. I think have kind of we're applying all the lessons we learned really difficultly on on lots of stupid projects, including that thing where we didn't know how to track value. So, you know, as a as a very, very small team, only two people, we've been doing some really great stuff and I'm really proud of that. And I, I enjoy I've rediscovered the joy of coding since I started building Mindmap. I started developing software because it was fun and then at some point it became an easy way to make money and I kind of started working for companies where there's lots of money so I don't know how much how many stupid reconciliation systems I've built or stupid websites that you know read from a stupid database and display stupid tables and although there is a lot of money in that it's kind of not really that inspiring and it's a bit soul defeating as well. So I think, you know, since we started working on, on mind map, I've rediscovered the joy of coding and I strongly recommend that, you know, if people feel that their work is dull, they should build their own product. It's a roller coaster emotionally, but it's, it's amazing.
0: Okay. Um, God, can you maybe tell us what excites you about the future of the IT industry and careers
1: in IT? I don't know about the future, but I think, you know, IT, for, for me, software rather than IT in general is the closest thing to magic you can get. I mean, we build stuff that makes money, that makes people's lives easier, that has a big impact on people around us from thin air and coffee and, and a bit of late night work. So I, 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 for me, that's magic. I mean, we, we build stuff that has an impact on the real world just by thinking about it and magic it up. And, and that's incredibly exciting. Yep. Okay,
0: we're going to go into the reveal round now. Are you ready for this? Yeah, yeah. So what have first
1: attracted you to a career in IT? I, I never wanted to do anything else. I I started kind of copying listings for, for assembly stuff on, on a Commodore 64 when I was six years old and I didn't even know how to read and write properly. And I could make the machine say, vroom, by typing in some magical codes in it. And And since then, I never really wanted to do anything else apart from building software. So, it's not really a career for me. It's, it's something that kind of, I, I don't know. I, I, I'm not able to do anything else. <laughs> I, I, you so know, you ever did? Pe- people, people learn how to be doctors or, or, or astronauts or, or, you know, whatever they do. And um, I know lots of people ended up in IT because, there wasn't a lot of money in experimental biology or geology or stuff like that, so I decided to switch. But I, I never really wanted to do anything else apart from building software.
0: What is the best career advice you've ever received?
1: Hmm. What is the best career advice I've ever received? I don't know. Probably that kind of it's, it's, it's okay to make mistakes, but not to repeat them, I think. And... Yeah. Another thing that was hugely influential on me is is a sentence I've read in the Pragmatic Programmer book. So that's another extra tip for people. If if you've not read the Pragmatic Programmer, go and read that. It will change your career. And um, there was a tip there that said, don't say no, offer options. And that helped me immensely. So every time I wanted to say, no, that's not possible, I tried to come up with an option what, you know, we could do instead or what features we could do instead or what, what's and, and that, that was amazingly, amazingly influential on how, uh, you know, valuable I became to my customers and, and, and companies I worked with. And I think that's probably kind of the second best advice I've ever received.
0: If you were to begin your IT career again right now, what would you do?
1: kind of develop software again. I don't know. Um, As I said, I never really wanted to do anything different. So, kind of maybe I would try to switch jobs faster when I was younger. I don't think I was doing it that bad because I kind of tried to work for lots of different places to learn lots of different things because it was interesting. And... All these people giving, giving you advice that, oh, you know, you have to work for the same company for five years, otherwise they're not going to take you seriously and nobody's going to interview you if you change jobs. That, that's not really my experience. I think change lots of jobs quickly, get lots of experience and become really valuable while you're young. What career objectives are you currently focusing on? Um, I said, I'm, I'm building this product and, and the product is growing nicely and I'm focusing on growing it and and continuing to work with that because it's it's lots of fun i am also writing a new book on impact mapping case studies that's a topic that is very close to my heart because it's the solution for that problem of my worst it career moment so (laughs) um it's a technique I've stumbled upon and I wrote a book about it already a while ago and, and now as it's becoming more and more popular lots of other organizations started using that as well so I've started interviewing them to write a book about case studies and how other organizations are using that so those are my two current objectives kind of improve the tool and, and, and keep growing the tool as, as a business and uh, write that book and what's the number one
0: non-technical skill that has helped you in your career so far?
1: Hmm. So I don't know about a skill because I, I, I said I, I like to think about things holistically. So whether, you know, stuff is technical or non-technical, really is difficult for me to say that. But something that's not really a, a programming piece of advice that had a massive, massive impact on me um, is when I've kind of read Alan Weiss's book, Million Dollar Consultant, and he's talking about um, effectively moving away from selling time and selling value. And I think that that was massively, massively influential on me because after I read that and, and started changing how I approach consulting projects, I started um, actually delivering more value to people and making a lot of more money. So... I think in, in, in our industry, lots of people are selling time. We're selling time through salaries. We're selling time through consulting engagements. You know, companies are selling bums on seats. We're selling man days. We are measuring man hours. And, and all of it is, is kind of really difficult to uh, tie to value. And Yeah. Um, I think starting to look more at kind of the value we provide is, is really, really important. Gojko, can you maybe
0: share a parting piece of career advice with the IT career Energizer audience? Um, my
1: parting piece of advice would be find software that you're passionate about building. Um, I, I know it's kind of Zen and I know you said, don't, don't do follow your passion. So let me explain what I mean by that. Um, you can spend a lot of time building stupid systems nobody cares about, and you shouldn't be wasting your life on that. I think programming should be a joyful activity because it's 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 magic, it's fun, and um, we can use our time for, for stuff that makes sense. Building stupid screens that talk to stupid databases that render stupid web pages. Uh, that's kind of not where people need to waste their lives on.
0: Sure. And finally, what's the best way we can find out more about you and potentially connect with you?
1: Um, my, my blog is goico.net, goiko with the J. So it's kind of Golf Oscar, Juliet, Kilo Oscar. Um, that's my blog. That's where people can find a lot of my writing and uh, uh, lots of other stuff, videos from Conferences and things like that. And yeah, that's probably the best reference.
0: Goico, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. It's been great chatting with you.
1: Thank you very much for inviting me.
0: My thanks to Goico for being my guest on today's show. You can find full show notes on the website at slash E73. In the next episode, I'll be talking with Emily Freeman, curator of JavaScript January. Thanks for listening. And remember, if you're not growing your career, you're slowing your career. Have a great week. Thanks for listening to the IT Career Energizer podcast. To find out more about building a successful career in IT, visit itcareerenergizer.com.